0: Le'olam Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpochah. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Monday, July 24th. In Revelation 1 8, Yeshua says of himself, I am the Alpha and Omega, the Aleph and the Tav, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord, which is, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Did you know that if you read Genesis 1 1 in Hebrew, there is an Aleph Tav right smack dab in the middle of that verse? Truly, Yeshua, the Aleph Tav, is there in the beginning and the end. So, if you were reading your Bible in Hebrew, whenever you come across Aleph Tav, this is a direct reference to Yeshua. The acronym for Daily Audio Torah is D-A-T. In Hebrew, that is Dalet Aleph Tav. When you unpack that in the ancient Hebrew picture language, what it means is this, Doorway to the Aleph Tav. The Daily Audio Torah is your doorway to the Aleph Tav, your doorway to Yeshua. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion and it means, and I pleaded. Deuteronomy 4 6-31 So keep and do them for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it, as is the Lord our God, whenever we call on Him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law, which I am setting before you today? Only give heed to yourself, and keep your soul diligently, so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen, and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, when the Lord said to me, Assemble the people to me, that I may let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire to the very heart of the heavens, darkness, cloud, and thick gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you from the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but you saw no form, only a voice. So he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone. The Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments, that you might perform them in the land where you are going over to possess it. So watch yourselves carefully, since you did not see any form on the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb from the midst of the fire, so that you do not act corruptly and make a graven image for yourselves, in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the sky, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the water below the earth. And beware not to lift up your eyes to heaven and see the sun and the moon and the stars and all the host of heaven and be drawn away and worship them and serve them, those which the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace from Egypt to be a people for his own possession as today. Now the Lord was angry with me on your account and swore that I would not cross the Jordan and that I would not enter the good land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. For I will die in this land. I shall not cross the Jordan, but you shall cross and take possession of this good land. So watch yourselves that you do not forget the covenant of the Lord your God which he made with you, and make for yourselves a graven image in the form of anything against which the Lord your God has commanded you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. When you become the father of children and children's children, and have remained long in the land, and act corruptly, and make an idol in the form of anything, and do that which is evil in the sight of the Lord your God, so as to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will surely perish quickly from the land where you are going over the Jordan to possess it. You shall not live long on it, but will be utterly destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord drives you. There you will serve God's, the work of man's hands, wood, and stone, which neither see, nor hear, nor eat, nor smell. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things have come upon you in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. For well, the Lord your God is a compassionate God. He will not fail you nor destroy you nor forget the covenant with your fathers which he swore to them. 2 Chronicles 11.1-13.22 When Rehoboam arrived, At Jerusalem he mobilized the men of Judah and Benjamin, 180,000 select troops, to fight against Israel and to restore the kingdom to himself. But the Lord said to Shemiah the man of God, Say to Rehoboam son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all the Israelites in Judah and Benjamin, This is what the Lord says, Do not fight against your relatives. Go back home. For what has happened is my doing. So they obeyed the message of the Lord and did not fight against Jeroboam. Rehoboam remained in Jerusalem and fortified various towns for the defense of Judah. He built up Bethlehem, Etam, Tekoa, Beth-Zor, Soko, Adullam, Gath, Marishah, Ziph, Adorim, Lachish, Azekah, Zorah, Aijalon, and Hebron. These became the fortified towns of Judah and Benjamin. Rehoboam strengthened their defenses and stationed commanders in them, and he stored supplies of food, olive oil, and wine. He also put shields and spears in these towns as a further safety measure. So only Judah and Benjamin remained under his control. But all the priests and Levites living among the northern tribes of Israel sided with Rehoboam. The Levites even abandoned their pasture lands and property and moved to Judah and Jerusalem because Jeroboam and his sons would not allow them to serve the Lord as priests. Jeroboam appointed his own priests to serve at the pagan shrines where they worshipped the goat and calf idols he had made. From all the tribes of Israel, those who sincerely wanted to worship the Lord, the God of Israel, they followed the Levites to Jerusalem, where they could offer sacrifices to the Lord, the God of their ancestors. This strengthened the kingdom of Judah, and for three years they supported Rehoboam, son of Solomon. For during those years they faithfully followed in the footsteps of David and Solomon. Rehoboam married his cousin, Mahaloth, the daughter of David's son, Jeremoth, and of Abihail, the daughter of Eliab, son of Jesse. Mahaloth had three sons, jeush Shamariah, and Zaham. Later, Rehoboam married another cousin, Maka, the granddaughter of Absalom. Maka gave birth to Abijah, Atai, Ziza, and shelomith Rehoboam loved Maka more than any of his other wives and concubines. In all, he had 18 wives and 60 concubines, and they gave birth to 28 sons and 60 daughters. Rehoboam appointed Mako's son Abijah as leader among the princes, making it clear that he would be the next king. Rehoboam also wisely gave responsibilities to his other sons and stationed some of them in the fortified towns throughout the land of Judah and Benjamin. He provided them with generous provisions, and he found many wives for them. But when Rehoboam was firmly established and strong, he abandoned the law, the Torah, of the Lord, and all Israel followed him in his sin. Because they were unfaithful to the Lord, King Shishak of Egypt came up and attacked Jerusalem in the fifth year of King Rehoboam's reign. He came with 1,200 chariots, 60,000 horses, and a countless army of foot soldiers, including Libyans, Sukites, and Ethiopians. Shishak conquered Judah's fortified towns and then advanced to attack Jerusalem. The prophet Shemaiah then met with Rehoboam and Judah's leaders, who had all fled to Jerusalem because of Shishak. Shemaiah told them, This is what the Lord says. You have abandoned me, so I am abandoning you to Shishak. Then one of the leaders of Israel and the king humbled themselves and said, The Lord is right in doing this to us. When the Lord saw their change of heart, he gave his message to Shemaiah, Since the people have humbled themselves, I will not completely destroy them and will soon give them some relief. I will not use Shishak to pour out my anger on Jerusalem. But they will become his subjects, so they will know the difference between serving me and serving earthly leaders. So King Shishak of Egypt came up and attacked Jerusalem. He ransacked the treasuries of the Lord's temple and the royal palace. He stole everything, including all the gold shields Solomon had made. King Rehoboam later replaced them with bronze shields as substitutes, and he entrusted them to the care of the commanders of the guard who protected the entrance to the royal palace. Whenever the king went to the temple of the Lord, the guards would also take the shields and then return them to the guard room. Because Rehoboam humbled himself, the Lord's anger was turned away, and he did not destroy him completely there were some, still some good things in the land of Judah. King Rehoboam firmly established himself in Jerusalem and continued to rule. He was 41 years old when he became king and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city the Lord had chosen from among all the tribes of Israel as the place to honor his name. Rehoboam's mother was Neymah, a woman from Ammon, but he was an evil king, for he did not seek the Lord with all his heart. The rest of the events of Rehoboam's reign from beginning to end are recorded in the record of Shemaiah the prophet and the record of Edo the seer, which are part of the genealogical record. Rehoboam and Jeroboam were continually at war with each other. When Rehoboam died, he was buried in the city of David. Then his son Abijah became the next king. Abijah began to rule over Judah in the 18th year of Jeroboam's reign in Israel. He reigned in Jerusalem three years. His mother was Makah, the daughter of Uriel from Gibeah. Then war broke out between Abijah and Jeroboam. Judah, led by King Abijah, fielded 400,000 select warriors, while Jeroboam mustered 800,000 select troops from Israel. When the army of Judah arrived in the hill country of Ephraim, Abijah stood on Mount Zemarim and shouted to Jeroboam and all Israel, Listen to me! Don't you realize that the Lord, the God of Israel, made a lasting covenant with David? giving him and his descendants the throne of Israel forever? Yet Jeroboam, son of Nebat, a mere servant of David's son Solomon, rebelled against his master. Then a whole gang of scoundrels joined him, defying Solomon's son Rehoboam when he was young and inexperienced and could not stand up to them. Do you really think you can stand against the kingdom of the Lord that is led by the descendants of David? You may have a vast army, and you have those golden calves that Jeroboam made as your gods, but you have chased away the priests of the Lord, the descendants of Aaron, and the Levites, and you have appointed your own priests, just like the pagan nations. Yet any one become you let anyone become a priest these days, Whoever comes to be dedicated with a young bull and seven rams can become a priest of these so-called gods of yours. But as for us, the Lord is our God, and we have not abandoned him. Only the descendants of Aaron serve the Lord as priests, and the Levites alone may help them in their work. They present burnt offerings and fragrant incense to the Lord every morning and evening. They place the bread of the presence on the holy table, and they light the gold lampstand every evening. We are following the instructions of the Lord our God, but you have abandoned him. So you see, God is with us. He is our leader. His priests blow their trumpets and lead us into battle against you. O people of Israel, do not fight against the Lord, the God of your ancestors for you will not succeed meanwhile jeroboam had secretly sent part of his army around behind the men of judah to ambush them when judah realized that they were being attacked from the front and the rear they cried out to the lord for help then the priests blew the trumpets and the men of judah began to shout at the sound of their battle cry god defeated jeroboam and all israel and routed them before Abijah and the army of Judah. The Israelite army fled from Judah and God handed them over to Judah in defeat. Abijah and his army inflicted heavy losses on them. 500,000 of Israel's select troops were killed that day. So Judah defeated Israel on that occasion because they trusted in the Lord, the God of their ancestors. Abijah and his army pursued Jeroboam's troops and captured some of his towns, including Bethel, Jeshana, and Ephron, along with their surrounding villages. So Jeroboam of Israel never regained his power during Abijah's lifetime, and finally the Lord struck him down and he died. Meanwhile, Abijah of Judah grew more and more powerful, he married 14 wives and had 22 sons and 16 daughters. The rest of the events of Abijah's reign, including his words and deeds, are recorded in the commentary of Edo the prophet. Romans eight, twenty-six to 39 And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, for example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his Son, so that his Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory." What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since He did not spare even His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, won't He also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for His own? No one. For God Himself has given us right standing with Himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Yeshua died for us, and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, For your sake we are killed every day, we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, Neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Psalm eighteen, thirty-seven to 50 I chased my enemies and caught them. I did not stop until they were conquered. I struck them down so they could not get up. They fell beneath my feet. You have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued my enemies under my feet. You placed my foot on their necks. I have destroyed all who hated me. They called for help, but no one came to their rescue. They even cried to the Lord, but he refused to answer. I ground them as fine as dust in the wind. I swept them into the gutter like dirt. You gave me victory over my accusers. You appointed me ruler over nations. People I don't even know now serve me. As soon as they hear of me, they submit. Foreign nations cringe before me. They all lose their courage and come trembling from their strongholds. The Lord lives. Praise to my rock. May the God of my salvation be exalted. He is the God who pays back those who harms me. He subdues the nations under me and rescues me from my enemies. You hold me safe beyond the reach of my enemies. You save me from violent opponents. For this, O Lord, I will praise you among the nations. I will sing praises to your name. You give great victories to your king. You show unfailing love to your anointed, to David and all his descendants forever. Proverbs 19, 27-29 If you stop listening to instruction, my child, you will turn your back on knowledge. A corrupt witness makes a mockery of justice. The mouth of the wicked gulps down evil. Punishment is made for mockers, and the backs of fools are made to be beaten. I want to speak to you today from our reading from Deuteronomy. And then we're going to jump into 2 Chronicles, chapters 11, and 12, and 13. And in Deuteronomy chapter 4, Moses is speaking to the people and rehearsing with them and helping them to remember everything that they have been through. It's, he's giving him his fi- their fi- his final coaching message as they are preparing to cross the River Jordan and go into the Promised Land. And Moses will not be going with them. So, in a way, he is functioning now as a prophet because he's prophesying over them about the future. It's like he's looking down the corridors of time and he sees into the future what's going to happen. And then he warns them about some pitfalls to watch out for. So, He says in verse 15, So watch yourselves carefully, since you did not see any form on the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb from the midst of the fire. He's saying, Do not act corruptly and make a graven image for yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female. And he goes on to say in verse 23, Watch yourselves that you do not forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you. And that was at Mount Sinai with the giving of the Ten Commandments. It was a covenant, a marriage covenant. And he says, do not make for yourselves a graven image in the form of anything against which the Lord your God has commanded you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. So let's talk about that for just a moment. Why is he a jealous God? It's a lot like a husband-wife relationship. We are his bride. And if we get into idolatry and we pursue idols of the heart, they don't have to be physical, literal, material idols like a statue, but idols of the heart, he becomes jealous because in his eyes, this is the same thing as adultery. So if any of you listening have ever been in a marriage and then had your spouse cheat on you and go into an adulterous affair, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's this treachery and betrayal, and it's crushing. And so this is why the Lord is a consuming God, because he loves us with a a jealous love, a possessive love. We are his bride. He wants us to be faithful to him. And then in verse 25, it doesn't say if, it says when. When you become the father of children and children's children and have remained long in the land, and when you act corruptly and make an idol in the form of anything and do that which is evil in the sight of the Lord your God so as to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will surely perish quickly from the land where you are going over the Jordan to possess. You shall not live long on it, but will be utterly destroyed. So he's saying, not if you follow other gods and fall into idolatry. He's saying when this happens. So he's prophesying. He sees into the future. And I call heaven and earth to witness. This is marriage talk. That when two people get married, they always have to have two witnesses sign on the marriage certificate. That you're getting married in the eyes of God and before witnesses. And who are the witnesses in this case? Heaven and earth. Those are the two witnesses. Verse 27. This is the punchline. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples. That is exactly what happened. Later on. Centuries later, there was the kingdom split between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Read it about it in First Kings chapter 12. And when Rehoboam became the king, succeeding Solomon, Jeroboam led a rebellion, and the ten tribes of the north followed Jeroboam, and they said, See to your own tents, O Judah, O house of David. And they split away. And there was this kingdom split. And then the northern kingdom goes into captivity, into exile, when the Assyrians invade. And they are scattered. They are taken into captivity to Assyria. And from there, they are scattered to all the nations of the earth. The southern kingdom goes into captivity and into exile when Babylon invades in 586 B.C. And Judah, the Jews, are taken into captivity to Babylon, and they are there for 70 years, and then a remnant returns. And then again, in 70 A.D., the Romans invade, and they destroy the temple, and the Jews are forbidden to return to Jerusalem on pain of death, and they are scattered to all the nations of the earth. So, Moses foresaw that, and he prophesied about it in verse 27. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you'll be left few in number among the nations where the Lord drives you. So, But he also prophesies the good news in verses 30 and 31. When you are in distress, and all these things have come upon you in the latter days. What's that? That's the end of days in the final days just prior to the return of the Messiah, Yeshua, returning in the latter days. In the days leading up to the time known as Jacob's trouble, the Great Tribulation. He's saying in those days, in the latter days, you will return to Yahweh your Elohim, to the Lord your God, and listen to his voice. For the Lord your God is a compassionate God. He will not fall. Fail you nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant with your fathers which he swore to them. So, Moses is really prophesying here in this passage, and I can only imagine him seeing into the future what was going to happen to his people how they would fall into idolatry and sin and turn away from the Lord and turn away from his Torah, from his. From the Bible, from his commands, and that they would go off into captivity and into exile. How this must have grieved his heart. Yet he's given us the warning, and he's shown us this is what's going to happen. But in the end of, in the in the latter days, you will return. You will return to me. Now I want to jump into Second Chronicles eleven are actually in Second Chronicles chapter twelve. Let's start in verse one. but when Rehoboam was firmly established and strong, he abandoned the law of the Lord, and all Israel followed him in this sin. Now, I just want to layer this with uh, another way of looking at this. But when the United States of America was firmly established and strong, the nation abandoned the Torah, the law of the Lord, the Bible, and all of the United States followed the leaders in this sin. And so then the prophet Shemaiah comes and meets with Rehoboam and Judah's leaders, and you could you you could say perhaps Jonathan Cahn, who has often spoken messages of warning to the United States and to to the leaders of the nation. Um, they come and they all fled to Jerusalem because of Shishak. Now Shishak is the leader of Egypt, and Shishak is conquering Judah's fortified towns, and he's advancing and getting ready to attack Jerusalem. So we have. Shishak, who's a threat. And Shemaiah, the prophet, told them, This is what the Lord says. You have abandoned me, so I am abandoning you to Shishak. So you could say, This is what the Lord says. You have abandoned me, United States of America. So I am abandoning you to O'Biden. Now the reason I say O'Biden, tongue-in-cheek, is because Biden is really a puppet, and he's got, it seems, dementia, and he can hardly form a complete sentence, and he forgets things and makes pretty horrible mistakes on camera. And he's got a little earpiece in his ear, and it's probably, I mean, I can't prove it, but it wouldn't surprise me if in that little earpiece, Obama is telling him what to say and what to do. You know, off in some room somewhere down the street. So that's why I say, oh, Biden. Biden's just a puppet. And he's not functioning very well as a puppet any longer. And he's got his controllers and his handlers. Because you have abandoned me, the nation, the United States, I am abandoning you to, oh, Biden. We've been given over to the Biden regime. And this regime has probably been the most destructive government in all of the history of the United States of America, from the debacle in Afghanistan and the leaving behind of American citizens and millions of dollars worth of equipment and resources and weapons that have now gotten into the hands of terrorists, to the O'Biden oh, Economic policies which are destroying this nation with high inflation, high cost of food and gas, um, and our open borders where millions, I think over 6 million now, have been streaming across our border. Illegal invaders. I call them invaders because they're not just folks from Latin America. These are fighting age men from China coming across our southern border. It's an invasion. And all of those people are going on to the welfare rolls and the taxpayers are having to pay for that. Why does God allow nations to come under evil rulers? It's because he wants to bring the nation to repentance. He wants the people to cry out to him and to return to him. So it says in verse 8, But they will become his subjects, that is, Shishak's subjects. So they will know the difference between serving me and serving earthly rulers. So when we cry out for a king or we vote for a certain ruler and then we get that ruler and we've turned our back on God, God is saying, okay, fine, you reject me, go ahead. Have this ruler over you and see how you like it. And so really um, I believe Obiden has been put in place as a judgment from the Lord. And the correct and right and proper response to this is we need to repent as a people. As a people we need to repent for our sins, for becoming lukewarm, for you know not following him wholeheartedly, 100%, for maybe just going through the motions, just attending church once a week and that's enough, and then not really making it your whole lifestyle. Um, For just being lukewarm, apathetic, indifferent, not being involved, uh, not outreaching with the gospel to people around us. We're living in a lost and a dying world. People are hurting. Basically, the media is not going to tell you this, but from where I sit, we're going through a Great Depression right now. And I'll give you an example. Um, I'm on the Oregon coast right now, and I was visiting with a dear friend, and he was telling me he's friends with a property manager, and the property manager, or um, is over, administers 200 different properties, and he's been doing it for over 30 years. And normally, in any given month, there might be one or two tenants that have to be evicted. And the properties can be a house, it could be a, an apartment complex, a duplex, all different kinds of properties. And normally, in any one month, there might be one or two tenants that have to be evicted. And this month and this is the month of July of 2023, there were 48 eviction notices that he had to put out. And he has never, ever, ever had to do that in all the 30 years that he's been managing property. And those are families, working families, that are going to become homeless. So we're not talking about, you know, a single person who's hooked on drugs or opiates or alcohol who's you know out there as a homeless person on the street these are families about to be evicted 48 of them along the oregon coast because they can't afford the rent this is a great depression now you you can't make that statement just from that one example but just overall my observation of what i see and what the media is not telling you is this isn't a recession. This is a depression. And though there may be many who are cushioned from experiencing the hard times, a lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck, using their credit cards to buy groceries and having to choose between do I buy food or do I pay the rent? So we are under God's judgment with this o biden regime and we need to cry out we need to cry out for god's mercy for him to deliver us and for him to rescue us because this man these people around him they don't care for you and me this is all about their power and their control and them lining their own pockets it's an evil regime and also all the human trafficking, the open borders, all of this. There's just so much evil and corruption in this current administration. But here's some hope. Verse 12. Because Rehoboam humbled himself, the Lord's anger was turned away, and he did not destroy him completely. There were still some good things in the land of Judah. So we need to humble ourselves and ask for God's mercy and for him to rescue us. And in fact, I think it'd be great to start to cry out, Yeshua, please come back, return, come and set up your kingdom, deliver us. Because, you know, these things that are happening here in the United States, it's not just here, it's all over the world. France is in total turmoil with major rioting and fires and and protesters out on the street. Even Israel is in total turmoil with the judicial reform issue getting protesters out on the street by the thousands on both sides of the issue. And the global, globalist, the deep state, their tentacles are in every nation, every nation. Their tentacles of control and surveillance and censorship of the media and taking over the media and turning the media into a propaganda machine. It's everywhere. It's in Israel. It's in the United States. It's in Europe. It's people are hurting everywhere. It's not just in the U S. So, um, this is a time to really cry out for Yeshua to return, to plead and to humble ourselves, to repent and to say, God, we humble ourselves. We think we ask you to forgive us for our idolatry, for our lukewarmness, our indifference. And we ask that you would send the Messiah, send Yeshua to deliver us, set us free from the slavery, the oppression, the crushing of the deep state that's crushing his people to cry out. So I just encourage you to to take time in prayer, to pray these prayers and do it with others. Do it with your local group that you meet with. And so let's end on a really uh, encouraging note in Romans chapter 8. I love this passage. No matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, and I'm now thinking of the more than 900 uh, political prisoners that are in the Washington Gulag prison uh, from January the 6th, patriotic conservatives who were there on January 6th of 2021 to um, let the administration know, we are not happy with this result of this election. This election has been stolen. This election was crooked. Um, so 900 people are languishing still in prison without due process, without having been able to see attorneys, without having their day in court, and who are being horribly persecuted. Um, so I think of them as I read this passage. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry? or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ, Yeshua, who loves us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life. Neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Yeshua our Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible passage that really reminds us of the incredible depth, width, and height of the love of God, the love of Yeshua that you have for your people, that no matter what our circumstances are, whether we be homeless or hungry, whether we be in a prison in uh, the Washington Gulag or somewhere else in, in the nations, whether we are married or divorced, single, um, whatever our situation is, that you are always there with us and that you love us with such incredible love. Father, may that love surround us, penetrate us, and soak into us deeply. May we immerse ourselves in that incredible love that you have for us. We thank you. We thank you, we thank you, Yeshua, for your amazing love. And we thank you that you are our light, our high tower, our protector, our defender, our provider, our husband, our soon-coming king. We love you, Yeshua. In Yeshua's name, amen. Ye adonai vish mereka yea adonai pana V'kunneka Isa Adonai P'nav hileka V'yase leka leka